Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. listening to more than a season podcast with Ashley and Brittany. Join us as we walk through what life is like supporting someone within the sports industry. Real authentic behind the scenes look at what the support system experiences but no one discusses. Grab a drink, sit back and listen because we are about to get real. Hey you, yeah you, stop listening, press pause, and if you're on Apple Podcasts, scroll down to the ratings and reviews. Select five stars and give us a review. And if you're on Spotify, click our podcast page and click follow and download to listen to all of our episodes. Thanks so much. Enjoy this episode. Welcome back. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We're trying to get better at our little intro. We'll get it down one day. Every time we just come up with something new. I think that's the, <laughs> that's the fun of it. <laughs> yeah, it's just to keep you on your toes. But we are back with another fun interview. We are venturing into actually the video coordinator role, which we have never really been into that world before. Yeah, we're really excited. We're still sticking with football for this one, but we are excited to introduce our new guest. Hey, so I am Elaine Welty. I'm super excited to be here. My husband is DJ, and he is the manager of video operations at the University of Texas. I work as a speech pathologist part-time, and then we have three girls. Our oldest, Gretchen, is 12. We have Megan, who is nine, and Adeline, who is seven. So they keep us busy. Yeah, that sounds like a busy world right there. So every time someone tells us where they are at, we know that that is not the beginning of the story. So take us back to where you met your husband um, and what in the world, how did you know what you're getting into if you did or you didn't? Okay, so I am originally from Arkansas, born and raised. I had never moved growing up. Like I lived on a little piece of farmland that my grandparents owned. And then I went off to college at Arkansas State University and completed my undergrad degree. And then I met DJ in August of 2004. I was just starting grad school and I was actually dating a good friend of his. So we met through this mutual friend, I guess. And we just started talking and decided that we liked each other and that we wanted to start dating. So I broke it off with this guy and within a month, we knew we were going to get married. Like it was super fast. So that was, we met in August by the end of September, we were talking marriage and he told me he was working as the student video coordinator there at Arkansas state university Back then, they didn't have it as a full-time position, and he literally just walked into the position. Um, He was just kind of in the right place at the right time and started working. So he told me, like, if we are going to do this thing, you have to realize I'm not going to be home. Like, I'm going to be gone a lot. I'm just going to be busy. Football is going to be a part of our life. And I was like, okay, I'm down for it did not realize what I was getting myself into, but I really liked him. So this was all like in September. By November, we had bought engagement rings and wedding rings. We asked my parents, like, you know, we're going to get married. And by December of 2004, we were engaged. So our engagement was a year. So we got married in 
December of 2005. So we've been married for, it'll be 15 years this coming week. We had a Christmas wedding, which nobody told me that that was a really bad idea in the world of football. And our football team, we were still at Arkansas State. He, I had finished grad school. He was still working and finishing his degree, working for the football team. The Thanksgiving weekend before our wedding, so in November, our team became bowl eligible. Our team had not been bowl eligible for like 20 something years. So all of a sudden, we are faced with a wedding that's a few weeks away, a bowl game, you know, on the horizon. And we had to kind of rearrange our wedding, like really last minute. Um, One of our groomsmen had to go down to the bowl. His other like video workers were going to video the wedding for us because we were trying to be as cheap as possible. My brother had to step in as a groomsman. And then we flew out the day after we got married to go to the bowl game, which was the New Orleans Bowl. But that year was the year that Hurricane Katrina came through. So the New Orleans Bowl had been moved to Louisiana Lafayette. So that is where we spent our honeymoon (laughs) for the first, you know, few days of our marriage. We flew out like the day after we got married spent, you know, our honeymoon there. And then we took a short vacation. So our marriage literally started out with football. So from there, we were at Louisiana Tech for a year. And then we moved to Ball State in Muncie, Indiana. And we were there for four years. From there, we went to the University of Tulsa. We lived there for seven years. And then we've been here at Texas for three seasons now. So for just over two years. That story takes the cake. (laughs) When you said you had a December wedding, I was like kind of cringing already at the fact that you said you're planning a wedding a year from then. Oh my gosh, that story is amazing. I want to know what was going through your head when you were like, okay, I love this guy, but what in the world is happening? Thankfully, I'm really go with the flow. And so I was just like, you know what? All right. You know, we're, we're just doing this thing. So we kind of had a backup plan. Thankfully, he did not have to go. Our coach was wonderful and was like, okay, you can get married first (laughs) and then you can come down to the bowl game. So that was probably what I was most stressed about was like, you know, are we going to have to move the date of the wedding or something. So thankfully that didn't happen. It was just a groomsman and some video guys. <laughs> yeah, you're so lucky. He was like, okay, go get married. That's so kind of yeah. him. <laughs> so you've moved a lot. So yeah. what has that been like for you? Like not moving all your whole life and then going into this new world and having to like completely uproot your life. What was that change like for you? You know, for us, we just always said, like, if God opens a door, if he gives you a position somewhere, we're just going to take it. I'd always wanted to live close to family. And so when our first job, we, we moved to Louisiana Tech seven weeks after we got married. And my mom and my grandma helped us move down. And I remember my mom saying, you know, I was crying when I left you there because I always lived near family. So it was hard to move away. But you know, I just kind of knew like, he's my husband. And we're just this is just going to be our life. And we're just going to go wherever God opens up those doors. 
Yeah, that's a wonderful answer. I think that in the beginning you get so scared to move and to be vulnerable and not know anybody and go into this new place. And then you end up becoming more well-rounded and just such a wonderful person like over time when you have those transitions. But I do want to ask, so we know nothing of the video coordinator role. I want to know in the football world, what is that schedule like? Because it has to be very similar to coaching. Yeah, it is a lot similar to what a coach would go through, but I always say kind of have it a little bit better (laughs) than coach's wife because he doesn't have to go and recruit. So he's actually home during recruiting season. So he's home a little bit more, but we still experience the typical football season that other wives would go through. So in August, fall practice is there. So he's at the office, very long days. There were times when we were at other schools and our girls were little that he didn't see them for a few days. Like he didn't see them awake because he would go in early in the morning and not get home until after they were in bed. I wanted my kids on a schedule, so I was not keeping them awake to see dad. (laughs) So we would try to go up for dinner to see him, but in August, you know, it's just really busy. And then obviously he goes to all of the away games. He's there during all of the practices. Bowl season gets really crazy. Um, you know, and then bowl game season, January, it's he has he's busy in the on the weekends because of recruiting events. And so he has to go in for those. And then, you know, February, those kind of three weeks in February, it slows down a little bit. March and April are crazy again because of practice. And then the end of April and May, that's kind of downtime for him. CSVA has their convention in May. It's usually falls like right after Mother's Day. So he goes to that convention. And then June is high school camps. And so he helps out with those at certain schools that we've been at. And then he usually has a good three-week break in July. And then August is right back there again. Girl, we feel you. So you're basically the exact same as coaches wives. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. So what did that look like when you had little kids? I know you kind of mentioned and touched on it a little bit, but we've been hearing more and more of the women that we interview. We don't have children. And so the more and more we talk to these women and dad's gone, you know, a lot of the that time, especially during football season, What was that like for you? Did you ever get like bitter when you had these little ones and he's coming home super late? Yeah, it was really, really hard. I remember our oldest daughter was maybe seven months at the time and it was football season. And I remember calling him. He was at an away game, probably at two o'clock in the morning crying. I was just in tears because she was crying She wouldn't stop. I mean, it was just awful. And I had nobody else to turn to. And I called him and woke him up. And I'm just like, I don't know what to do. And she's crying and I'm crying. And he is really annoyed. (laughs) And so it was really hard when they were little, just him being gone and really feeling like you're alone because we didn't live near family. So eventually you just kind of learn and you rely on the other wives and you just build up a support system. And I think that's really important when you move around, you have to find that support system as soon as possible. But yeah, I mean, I even still sometimes resent the fact that he gets to go and spend 
a night away from the kids and, and I'm here, you know, with them, but it's just a part of the job. So we try to make those weekends that dad's gone girl weekends. So Friday nights are pizza and movie nights and they sleep in my bed and, you know, we just try to make it a fun girl bonding time. First off, I appreciate your honesty because we want to hear what that is like because we know that it, it's not easy. We don't have children, but I can tell you from viewing <laughs> and observing, it does not look easy. So I appreciate that. But I do think that's a wonderful point is that you make it like an event for your kiddos. Like when dad's gone, we're going to have girl night. So I have not heard that. And I think that's a wonderful idea. Did, was there like a location where you figure out how to get through this bitterness? Yeah. So when we were at Ball State, we were there for four years and our oldest daughter was born there. And then my husband actually got the job at the University of Tulsa when I was five months pregnant with our second daughter. And he moved in January. And at that point, we made the decision, like, do I stay behind and finish working and, you know, and have our second or do I go ahead and move? And for us, we made the decision to stay behind. So it was just myself, my oldest daughter, and I'm five months pregnant. And then he was living in Tulsa by himself. So at that point, thankfully, my grandmother was in a position where she could come and she lived with us for about a month, which was really helpful since I was still working. And then we moved when Megan, our middle daughter, was two weeks old. And that is when we picked up and moved to Tulsa. And I remember just calling my mom. Thankfully, when we moved to Tulsa, we were four hours away from family. So I remember calling my mom. Just We had boxes piled to the ceiling. And I hated the house that he had picked out for us to live in. And I just am calling her crying, like, you have to come help me unpack. I just can't do this alone. So probably when we moved to Tulsa, we had two kids. Thankfully, we had an amazing support system there. I had some great bosses that were really supportive. The girls' daycare was wonderful, and we had great babysitters, and then we developed great friendships with the staff and even beyond just with coworkers or, you know, people that we met there. And so it became easier when we lived in Tulsa. And now that we're in Texas and our kids are older, it's much easier now that they've gotten bigger. Yeah. I feel like you do have to like make that decision too. And we've heard that from other women and it's always interesting to hear their decision of why they either stayed or why they went right away. What have you guys told the girls at this point? Now that they're a little bit older, they probably understand a little bit more. Like if you guys were to move, do you guys have a plan of like what you're going to do or anything like that? Yeah, so the move from Indiana to Oklahoma was not hard because our oldest was three. Um, our youngest was born there in Tulsa. And so the move from Tulsa to Texas was their first move. And I remember we got the call that he was hired here. We were driving to Gulf Shores and we got the phone call and we were just like, oh my gosh, you know, this is, this is it because we were in Tulsa for seven years. And so that was home for us. And I still consider Tulsa home for our family. And so that was a big move. Thankfully it happened. We found out in June and we told the girls really quickly. I mean, we told them when we were there at the beach and we just kind of made it fun for them. And again, you know, he came to Texas 
way before we did and just with selling our house and buying a new house and all that that goes into moving but we made the decision he moved in July we did not move until September and I made the decision not to send them back to school for those first few weeks because I felt it would be a little bit easier on them because they've had summer break they haven't really had a chance to go back and get back into that routine we made it where we did a lot of fun things in Oklahoma that we maybe hadn't gotten a chance to do and just trying to make those memories there. We had a big party um, to say goodbye to friends. And then we've even gone back to visit friends. But, you know, we really just told them, like, you still get to keep in touch, thankfully, with technology and social media. And, you know, you still can talk to your friends. My kids write letters to their friends all the time. And two, we've really made it like a fun thing. Like now we get to go and we get to experience Austin and the culture that he is here. And we get to travel and we get to see all the cool things that Texas has to offer. We just try to make make it fun for him. Yeah, that's great to hear because I know that moving for a little one can either go two ways. So I think that is a great job that y'all did for that transition. I know that you said that you were a speech pathologist part-time. So with all these moves, we know that it is hard to keep a job when you move from place to place. So how have you found um, that balance? Yeah, so thankfully, speech therapists are always in need. And so I've never had difficulty finding a position. Our first year of marriage, I worked part-time at an outpatient rehab hospital. And then when we moved to Indiana, I just started working in the school district. And I really loved working in the schools because it gave me hours where after school was over, I could stop by practice or we could try to have dinner together. I actually even traveled between schools. And so we would meet for lunch sometimes. And then I would have, you know, Christmas break off so we could go to bowl games. And that wasn't ever difficult getting that time off from my job because we were off anyway. And then we had the summers off so we could travel and see family. And then I did the same thing in Oklahoma. I worked in the school district and I could be home with my kids. My kids went to the school that I worked at. When we moved to Texas, I decided I needed a break from public schools. And so I found a wonderful part-time position that gives me the flexibility of being home when I need to be home and taking off when, you know, I need to take off for games or trips or vacations or whatever. So thankfully, you know, my career has been in a position where I've always just been really blessed to be able to find something that works out. It is very hard. We dealt with that initially, like kind of like molding your career to be what you want it to be. So you can still have that me time and still follow your passions and and do all that. So that's awesome that you've kind of molded it into what you want it to be. When you guys have gone to bowl games, that's like another topic that's really hot, of course, right now because we're in bowl season. So can you talk a little bit about what you've done with the girls to kind of still keep that holiday feel? Yeah. So when we moved closer to family in Tulsa, (laughs) we actually ditched my husband for Thanksgiving because he would have games. And so he wouldn't really be there. So we would just go home and have Thanksgiving with my family, which I know sounds awful, but it really gave them that family time with extended family and grandparents and cousins and 
Christmas wise, man, we had Christmas in a hotel room one year, as I'm sure most football families do. But that year we went out and we bought a small Christmas tree from Lowe's. You know, I took a few little Christmas gifts with us so they would have gifts to open Christmas morning. And the girls still remember it. I mean, we have this little Santa placemat for his milk and his cookies. And they still remember that Santa did not get his chocolate chip cookies. I think we did like chocolate dipped Oreos or something that we found at a bakery. And thankfully too, when we have had bowl games over Christmas, our teams have been wonderful. One year Santa came. So all the kids got to go see Santa. Santa actually handed out gifts to all of the players, you know, their bowl gifts and stuff. And so that was really fun, but we just have to be go with the flow and try to still do those things that we typically do. We just have to do them in a different way. And that's okay. They understand that. We tell them that Santa understands and he'll still bring the presents. Brittany and I were talking about this the other day. We were like, you know, if we had kiddos, we'd want them to feel that magic. And still, no matter where you're at, what space you're in, just to have that atmosphere of, Even you know, for ourselves. Even for day. ourselves, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even for ourselves to feel the magic. But yeah, it's just, that's wonderful that you did that. And um, I think that is so, so neat. With Texas, being in Austin, it is a huge city, and I think that a lot of people, they think when you think of college town, you think of this small college town, and it is not. It is a huge, huge city. So how have you found a community? Because I feel like, you know, living in a big city, it is. I think it could be harder. Yeah, it was, but we were really blessed when my oldest daughter started school literally the first day she made great friends and they're still, it's like this group of these four girls. And thankfully I was able to become friends with all of their moms and meet them. And they have been a great support system. We always try to get involved with a church right away. It took us a little bit longer to find one here. I think just cultural differences in churches from what we were used to versus Austin churches. And then Two, you know, you try to meet the football wives before you get here. So I would try to connect with some of them on social media and just be like, hey, we're moving. You know, I just want to introduce myself. This is who we are. Thankfully, one of the wives, she's the equipment manager's wife. She was wonderful and reached out to us. You know, we would come to visit before we moved. So we would kind of get a feel of the area, like on the weekends and stuff and come to practice. But I think if it was not for those little girls that my oldest daughter met, I think it would have been a lot harder. I feel like with when you have kids, you kind of get that chance to building a different community because, you know, the kids and their parents hopefully get along and then you can kind of build a community separate from football as well, which is also nice to have a little bit of a break. For sure. Do you go to a lot of the games? Yeah, we go to all of the home games and then... We'll go to some of the away games that are really close. So we've gone to like when we've played at Baylor, we've gone, we've gone to, you know, when we play in Dallas for the Red River rivalry, we've gone to that game twice. This was the first year that I took my kids. First year we moved to Texas. I was so excited about that game because when you lived in Oklahoma for seven years and I mean, that's the game that everybody talks about is the OU Texas game. So I was so looking forward 
to go into that game. And our first year, I took the kids out of school. It's the weekend of the state fair. So we got to experience the fair. I was sick. I had strep throat. And I did not know that that's what I had. And we spend the night at the hotel and Saturday morning was game day. And I got up and I was just like, I can't do this. I cannot go to this game. I feel horrible. And so I called my husband. I was like, we're not coming. And I rolled out of bed, (laughs) threw on clothes, got my kids in the car and we drove home. Thankfully, we made it home by the first quarter. So I watched the rest of the game curled up on the couch watching the game and we won that year and then our second year here at Texas we went and we actually took friends from Oklahoma that are OU fans they're the only people I would have taken to that game but they went with us and sadly Texas lost and this past year I took the girls for the first time thankfully with COVID there were 25 percent capacity we had so much room if you've ever been at that game or watched it on TV, you're literally standing shoulder to shoulder. It is so loud. You have no room. It's really hot. And this was the best year to take the girls, but we lost again. So I told my husband, I'm not going next year (laughs) because apparently when I don't go, we win. So here's to next year. Yeah, that game is just, I mean, you grow up, even from being from Texas, you grow up hearing about that rivalry game. And I went to Oklahoma State, so I always cheer for Texas when it's that time of the year. So I don't know, I'm just not a Sooner girl for that. But what is something that you know now that you wish you could tell your younger self way back then that you could help yourself out today? Okay, so my best piece of advice is do not have unrealistic expectations. So if you or if your husband says he's going to be home for dinner, don't expect him to be home. I mean, just expect that that he's going to be gone because when you set up unrealistic expectations for yourself, that's when you become disappointed. So just kind of let go and and stop expecting these things from him because he's just going to be busy and that's okay. And then I tell my husband too, I am allowed one meltdown per football season. It usually happens around the end of October where I am just done. I mean, I cry and I yell and I scream and I'm not a very nice person and he has to take the brunt of it. And then once I've had that meltdown, I'm like, okay, I'm good. Like that was my one for the season. I'm allowed one. (laughs) So once I have that, I'm good to go for the rest of the season. I love that you said that. We just did an episode about that and how like everyone hits that breaking point at some point. So I love that you kind of worked that in as a deal. Like, okay, I'm going to have one. Yeah, I think I need more than one sometimes, but maybe maybe we should stretch for one. Yes, this year we I think everyone deserves as many as they want to have. <laughs> I've done really good and I've not had one this season. I think just with COVID and I mean, the games weren't as crazy the traffic wasn't that bad and I'm working less right now actually. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm good. Like I'm home more and I'm just not as stressed out as I usually am. So this season I've actually been really good. So. No, that's good to hear. We, we love, I know this sounds terrible, but we love the space when we go to the games. We were talking about the other day, like no traffic, you just roll up. You don't have to fight anybody to get into anywhere. Yeah. Parking. Parking. Oh my gosh. It's the best. Usually the games here, we come 
two hours before the game if we're going to tailgate or whatever. And literally this year, we've left the house 30 minutes before kickoff. There's no traffic. We pull right into our parking spot. We walk right in. And I was really nervous at other schools. I mean, it was hard taking my oldest to games when she was little. And then when we were at Tulsa, we had a suite that we could be in. And so the kids would kind of play in the back and we would keep games and toys in dad's office and then carry them up to the suite so they could play. And then here, our first two seasons, we actually had babysitting. So I only had to bring my oldest daughter into the stands and she reads a book the entire game. She doesn't watch the game. She reads a chapter book and she listens to podcasts if she finishes her book. And then the other two go to babysitting. So I was super nervous about bringing them to games this year because they weren't going to do the babysitting this year. Thankfully, we are all spaced out and six feet apart and they have an area that they can go up and play with some of the other kids. So it really has been nice this season as bad as COVID has sucked. (laughs) I want to applaud your daughter for keeping herself busy like that for four quarters. That's some concentration too, while everything else is going on. Like she'll put in headphones and stuff, but she's not into football. (laughs) That's all right. Yeah. Yeah, totally fine. But we want to thank you so much for coming on here and being so honest and open about your journey. And we just really, really appreciate it because we can all learn something from this for sure. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this interview on More Than a Season podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at More Than a Season underscore Women's Guide for the latest updates. You can also follow our personal Instagram accounts at Ashley M. Kramer and Britt Labby. We would love it if you would download, subscribe, and leave us a review on your choice of platform. Thank you so much. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.